So, Michelle. Yep. We can't go to the Olympics. Well, we can go to the Olympics, but Australia isn't going to the Olympics. The Winter Olympics? The Winter Olympics. Okay. I mean, well, we're going. Our athletes are going and our news broadcasters are going and anyone who wants to go, but our diplomats can't go. No. We've decided not to go. Well, I get it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because of what's going on with the Uyghurs and all But what's really interesting about this situation, what's mm. really freaking me out about it, mm. is the fact that we're not going to the Olympics, but... We're still st- selling steel. And yeah. there's all of these dichotomies. And, and China's still buying our steel, but they don't want to buy our coal. And we're building submarines that won't arrive in time for the potential war that will hit Taiwan. So I really want to talk about China today. Great. Because, you know, if you talk about China, half an hour later, you want to talk about it again. Okay. So I thought what we need to do is bring in someone who really knows about China. Do you think this person really knows about China? I think they do because they have a podcast all about China. Okay, who is it? No, no, no. You'll find out after you do the intro. Okay, great. You're listening to I Spied, the diplomatic boycott of Australian intelligence. I mean, that's it. We're not sending any more diplomats to ASIO. None. No, I mean, we're going to send our spies and stuff. I mean, of course, we're not going to. We're going to still steal your secrets. We're just not going to talk to you about it. Hello and welcome to I Spied. I'm Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And we're going to talk all things China because we haven't talked China in a very long time, I Not since say. last year, I don't not, think. Yeah, not since last year. And there's so much going on. So we thought, who better than to bring in a guest? And that guest is... Matt Bevan. Yes. Now, Matt Bevan joined us last year. Yes. And talked to us about Putin. Yes. And that was really a great episode. Well, I love a Putin chat. I love a Putin chat. Yep. In fact, we could probably sort of slide towards Putin while we're talking about China at the moment <laughs> yeah. because there's a lot going on. I mean, they love each other. So, And Matt has this incredible podcast, I, I very much yes. enjoyed it, called China If You're Listening. Yes. I don't think China was, but if they were, I'd be really happy. Matt, great to have you on board. Thanks for joining us. Lovely to be here. I'll pull you up on just one thing though, Dave. Yeah. Um, w- w- they're not taking our steel. We don't We don't export steel to China. We just yeah, export the iron rocks. Ore. They make the steel. Yeah, they I know. The they, 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 make the, they take our iron ore, turn it into steel and then sell it back to us. We don't make things I to know. send to China. We just dig it up and give it and sell that stuff. The, the rocks and the dirt. That's, yeah. what we, that's what they want from us. That is what I liked in your podcast, the way you just described it as the magic dirt. Right. <laughs> the, 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 I, I, the magic dirt, and I, I want to specify uh, there is a difference between the buildy dirt and the burny dirt. Yes. The buildy dirt, they're still buying from us. They don't want the burny dirt. They don't want the burny dirt. Are they buying our really magic dirt? So things like the lithium and all the other stuff? Oh, or, yes, 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 yes. Oh, they're still getting all of the, the really super magic dirt. Just the burny dirt. Yeah. No burny no dirt. Burny dirt. <laughs> no burny dirt. No burny wine. All right. No. No wine. No seafood. No lobsters. No, no lobsters. Mate, that's got to be driving them crazy over there. Yeah, yeah, I just the whole thing is, and Matt, maybe you can answer this. It sometimes feels like they're like children; they cut their nose off to spite their face. They're like, "We don't want these things," but or is it because they actually don't need them? Well, they don't need certain. They've they've, they've cut off the things that they can find somewhere else. Basically. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, th- we are not the only place on earth that has lobsters. We are the place what? on earth that sells them the cheapest Bernie dirt, yeah. but they're happy to pay a little bit more for Bernie dirt uh, and get it from Mongolia or uh, a few other different places. But they can't get iron ore anywhere else in the quantities that they need and they can't get uh, you know various other things, lithium, metallurgical coal, various other things they can't mm. get anywhere else, so they need to buy it from, continue buying it from us. Mm. So they're hurting us, teach us a lesson, but only in the ways that they can 
do without hurting themselves too much. Which seems to be the leitmotif of what's going on with China and the rest of the world, in that everybody is doing the bare minimum to basically say, look, we're not happy. So Mm. uh, the, the case of Australia and the US having their diplomatic boycott of the Winter Games... Okay, so a diplomat is not going to be able to sit with his Chinese source in the crowd at the figure skating and, you know, swap information. Bit of a bummer, but really it's a token gesture. Although I do, I have heard that Queensland is still sending a delegation. Well, that's, see, that's the thing. <laughs> Queensland will because Queensland have the Summer Olympics, so yes. they're up there to negotiate with the IOC, but, not China. But, but there's still people going. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like, what are we doing? I think Queensland are worried about making John Coates angry. You might remember that that press conference in Japan yep. when yeah. uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk suggested that she wouldn't go to the opening ceremony. He's so offended. He got very angry. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, I mean, you can cross China, but no one crosses the IOC. <laughs> no one crosses the, <laughs> no, 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 any no. Olympic committee. The, the whole thing that's going on at the moment is we've got a very bellicose, very like aggressive China. And I, one of the things that people keep saying about it, and you know, pull me up if I'm wrong on this, everyone talks about how China is being a bully. Mm. Right. The thing about a bully is if you call a bully out, a bully will stop. You know, the, the, the whole idea that a bully is essentially a coward yep. with issues. China doesn't strike me as being cowardly at the moment. I think they're being more overlordly. I think is that a way of looking at it? I mean, it, I guess the thing is that it's difficult to look at it in these playground terms. They mm. are being – they're using lots of juvenile sort of – language and tactics and that kind of thing. Uh, You know, we saw uh, their response to uh, Australia's decision not to send our diplomats was literally to say nobody cares. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Annoyingly is quite funny. But... But I mean, the thing is that you know you can you can call a bully out, but if you're still you know need to get a lift home with that bully uh, after school, then yeah. there's only so much that, that the bully is going to do in order to you know to retract. If you still need things from the bully, then the bully still has a significant amount of power over you. And you know the thing is that the the scenario that we found ourselves in, and this is the battle that we've been dealing with for like two years or so, is there are certain things that we can do. You know, we could really stomp our feet and, and break things if we really, really wanted to send mm-hmm. a message to China. Yeah. We could go, actually, you can't have the iron ore. Yeah, no more buildy dirt for you. I was going to ask that. Why wouldn't we? Like, we could probably sell that burning dirt to anyone. The buildy no, dirt. No, 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 no. The buildy no, dirt, no, burning no, dirt. No. What dirt are we? What dirt are we? Buildy dirt. We buildy don't sell the burning dirt. Remember okay. the burning dirt? We don't sell okay, the buildy dirt. Okay, it's the buildy dirt. dirt. Right. You do it. Uh, can't we just sell that to someone else? Not in the same quantities. Yeah, if we right. were to stop selling iron ore to, I mean, China is our by far massive yep. largest customer of iron ore. Buildy dirt. Yeah. Buildy dirt. <laughs> I it's, love that. You know, a, a pretty large proportion of the yeah. West Australian yep. economy is based on selling it to China. If we would decide not to do it, then, well, Mark McGowan, the, uh, the WA Premier, would be even more grumpy than he is now. He'd be taking a circular saw and literally cutting Western Australia off from mainland yeah. Australia. He yeah. would. I mean, here's yeah. a thought. Why don't we stop digging shit up? Because... Well, what are we going to do otherwise? I just think like... We're really, we're really good at it, Michelle. Yeah. I know. But- <laughs> stuff up. No one digs we're holes really like Australia. It. It's all it. we do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That in itself is a major problem for yes. us because we've literally it, it, Australia used to ride on the sheep's back, right? Mm. That was the big thing. Was we, wool was our number one commodity. Yep. Now it's not. It's become minerals. So buildy dirt, burny dirt, any kind of yep. dirt you want, magic dirt. All of this stuff is we've got it. 
in spades, and it's all close to the surface because literally Australia is one giant tectonic plate that has literally been wiped for millennia mm. by wind and rain, and it's like sitting right near the surface. There was that lovely story you had about Lang Hancock drive, flying down that gorge and just seeing nothing but iron ore sitting there in the walls of this gorge, and it's like, hang on, cha-ching, money. Yep. And that's it. We, we literally got a piggy bank sitting out west, you know, well, all but over it, the But it, it literally just makes, like, rich people richer. Yeah. It causes issues such as this. Yeah. And not to mention the carbon footprint, what we're doing to the climate. Mm-hmm. So why the fuck are we still doing it? Because we have a government that doesn't I want know. to change. I know. And, and to be fair, on the carbon thing, the only solution to the carbon thing is to dig up the magic dirt. Yes. We, we can't if, – if, if we want to stop mining coal, then we have to mine a lot of lithium, an yeah. enormous amount of lithium. Mm. We basically have to replace – the one that causes carbon emissions with the one that doesn't. Yeah. So there's no way that Australia stops mining really at any time in, you know, the next several hundred years. Well, in ever, really, in when ever, you think about really, it. really, you know, short of, you know, nuclear Armageddon, Australia will continue to mine things. It's just what we mine that will change. Yeah. Yes. So Australia is essentially the Bunnings of ore, right? <laughs> if, if you want it, yeah. right, if you want it in ore form, we have it, right? Yeah. And, you know, there'll be a bloke wearing an apron and going, yeah, come on in, you know, Bunnings <laughs> Warehouse. Um, <laughs> like, that is uh, a sausage sizzle. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bunnings Ore House. Yeah, the sausage sizzle is, by the way, the royalties. That's the amount yeah, that the country gets out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty much piddling when you think about it. Here, have a free snag. Now, the whole thing is not only do we have this massive trade disparity that's going on with China, because we, we do have, have a few problems, but China is also being exceptionally aggressive in its intelligence gathering in Australia. Well, pretty much all around yeah. the world. Uh, interestingly enough, it's what China does really well. It's called grey warfare, mm. right? that, that whole idea that we're going to see how far we can push you until we actually step over the line and it becomes kinetic, which is the wonderful military term, which means we are now fighting. So we're sitting – they literally push as far as they can into the kinetic realm. Now, with grey warfare in Australia, I mean, what's really interesting is the case of Nick Zhao down in Melbourne who was a car dealer with debts, who was supposedly a... He went to ASIO and said, I've been approached by uh, another Chinese businessman mm. offering me a million dollars to run as a Liberal candidate for Parliament. And then he was found dead in his apartment about two weeks later. Now... That's crazy. Before we go any further, the coroner did say it was a suicide. He died having a mouthful Likely of story. Antidepressant. But that's the beauty of it is. This yeah. is the beautiful thing is the plausible deniability of grey warfare is what China really like doing. They yep. like to interfere with the machinations of government, with business, with industry. They play around with you. They, they, they mess with your mind. There's that Svengali kind of effect that they have. Yeah. Now, the big problem is Taiwan. Really, that's that's the end game, I think, for everybody. Would you agree? Well, maybe it's very. Uh, I'd rather it wasn't. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, I mean, I think you know, you've got to ask the question about whether it actually is, or whether Xi Jinping wants us to think that it's an, an, an inevitability, and that you know, there's nothing that we can do to stop China from taking Taiwan by by one way or another. Mm. And whether he'll actually do it or not, you know, uh, the question is, is he willing to exchange, you know, uh, Los Angeles for Shanghai? Yeah. And it's very unclear whether he is or not. Uh, He wants people to think that he is, but uh, I don't know that that, that's true. Yeah. So from what I can tell, it's all about, 
yeah, well, I'll do this if you do that, and then you'll do this if I do that, and we of us want any of that. So why don't you just let me just you know, why don't you just let me take it? And, you know, wouldn't that be the easiest way out of this? Yeah. And Can I'm I not just sure have the sand here? Yeah, I'm not sure that that it's actually true. Or whether it's you know and you know an information operation. From and, yeah, again another piece of grey warfare. Because interestingly enough, there yeah. was a panel down at La Trobe University earlier this year where a bunch of Chinese expert, experts all agreed, basically turned around and mm. they all agreed and they said within six to seven years there will be some military conflict over Taiwan between the United States and China. And then mathematicians said, well, there's a forty six percent chance that that will happen and a twelve percent chance that will turn into total war. First and foremost, what I like to think is six to seven years, gee, those subs are going to come in handy. But the other thing that I think is interesting about Taiwan is look at Cuba and America. Yeah. Cuba and America oh, and Taiwan and China, I think are very similar in that just for locality, they're right next door to each other. Yeah. Right. And now the Russians, the, the whole missile crisis back in the 60s with Kennedy was very much antagonistic behaviour from the Soviets towards the United States. Now, America has been arming China. As an intelligence officer I had lunch with recently said, uh, when I said, do you think it's going to happen? He went, name any other province of China that the US sell military weapons to. So this is the thing. China can be looking at it as a kind of Cuba-esque kind of situation in that it's right next door and it's being armed by somebody else. And, you know, despite all the traditional ideas of how Taiwan fits into the picture, there is that idea that they are sitting there with a threat right on their doorstep. Mm. Yes, but, uh, <laughs> but. Cuba, Cuba, Cuba is not part of the United States and, True. and there has been no military issue between the two of them in about 50 years. So True. Oh, definitely. I'm just I'm throwing that out as an example. A historical, oh, yeah, no, that, that you're historical absolutely right. Example. It is the equivalent, but you know, I guess the thing is that Cuba was eventually put in the too hard basket by the United States, and the, that may also be the case for Taiwan. Yeah, I mean, the, the the feeling is that Xi Jinping is very much this is his legacy. He wants to hmm. reunite China, and this will be his legacy. And as someone said, now he's got no term limit. He's got plenty of time to operate this one. But I, the way China operates, I just don't think that they're going to go boots to the ground. They would lose so much just in the, in the attempt. Well, the, the plan was Hong Kong, basically. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, Deng Xiaoping's plan, was to successfully and peacefully reunify Hong Kong in a way that everybody liked and then just go, hey, look, this worked. Why don't you, you know, follow in the Hong Kong example? You know, the the idea of one country, two systems, mm. which is, you know, the thing that played out in Hong Kong, was designed for Taiwan and implemented in Hong Kong. And Xi Jinping kind of didn't, he, he didn't got, stick to the plan. He, he sort of hurried up. up a little bit and, uh, <laughs> and he sort of jumped the gun a little bit. And before, you know, the events in Hong Kong over the last uh, sort of four or five years, Many Taiwanese people may have been more interested in the idea mm. than they are now, having seen what happened there. But I think also with the Taiwanese, when you look at the the generation that's coming into its prime right now in, in Taiwan, they, they don't actually have any connection with China, other than the fact that that's where mum and dad or grandma and grandpa came from. They are literally now going, well, we're Taiwanese. Yeah, and we, we don't sort of regard ourselves as Han Chinese anymore. We regard ourselves as Taiwanese. Funnily enough, I met a lovely group of Taiwanese improvisers at an improvising theatre sports <laughs> tournament. Hilariously funny people, by the way. Yeah. Really, really good improvisers. But they were just like, Chinese, no, we're not Chinese, we're Taiwanese. They just don't regard it as something. 
and of course, ironically, there is a, a group of actual, uh, you know, indigenous Taiwanese people going, you're what? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like us going, we're Australian. Well, <laughs> there is that indigenous population here going, oh, technically, yeah. But So there is that. I mean, that's the, the funny thing is it's this Formosa, as they like to have, it was mm. formerly known. It's that whole thing of basically it's almost like Israel in that everyone wants a piece of it. And no one really knows why. So China now seems to be copying it from all sides when we, when we think about the, di- what's going on diplomatically. Is that a concern of theirs at all, do we think? Or are they just like, what, is it just like swatting flies off? I don't really care. Yeah, well, no, nobody's really actually done anything that actually means much. Yeah. To them, you know? yes. To them. They, don't, they really don't care. I mean, they would very much rather be thought of uh, in, in a different light. They want to be seen as the, ad, the adults of the uh, modern mm. you know, international community. They want to see, be seen as the leaders of the international community. Mm. Um, but that's the one thing that is being taken away from them because everybody's calling them out on, on all these things that they have done. And so that, that's very annoying to them. But from any other perspective, economic or strategic, not much has really no, – no one's put much of a dent in them really. No, so. and I mean right from – I remember back in the day with, um, you know, as I've said this before, is, you know, the whole South China Sea thing, that, that's been boiling over since, God, like the late 70s, early 80s when they started putting those little – stilt forts on things like the Spratly Reefs and the Paracels and stuff like that. Mm. This isn't a new thing. This is just the latest iteration of an ongoing diplomatic crisis. And I mean, with China, China play a long game. They play a generational game where we play a 24-hour news cycle game. And I mean, that's where they've actually got the the chops over us. They can wait us out. They can Mm. literally like, okay, you can scream and shout and not come to the Olympics. But the bottom line is, if you want us to keep buying your steel, and they will, they'll keep buying it. They'll yeah. keep buying the buildy dirt. They yeah, love the yeah, buildy yeah. dirt. They're addicted to buildy dirt. You will come and play the game. And I think mm. that's the problem. I mean, they, with them not answering our calls, it's like the worst breakup in high school ever. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like, I'm not going to take your calls, but can I borrow your car? It's, mm. it's that weird sort yeah. of dichotomy of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've always found that really interesting, the whole relationship that most countries have with China, particularly the US. I mean, the US pretty much owe them a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like China owns them, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And you've got them saying, well, we're not going to come to the Olympics. And they're like, okay, but like still, you know, we own you. Fine, that, don't they, come. <laughs> they, do like own, that. they do though, but also the funny thing about China is that they haven't quite developed enough new developed countries mm. to be able to let go of the importance of selling things to the United States. Yes. Selling things to the to the Western world is a very, 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 very significant part of their economy. Yeah. And if they were to not be able to do that to the largest economy, that would be a very big problem for them, which is why they are, you know, keen at trying to develop new places to sell their things to in Central Asia and Africa and that kind mm. of thing, try and, you know, I- I- encourage development in those parts of the world so that new people will be there to buy the products that they make. But, yeah, they haven't got there yet. So now, they what do about- still need the United States. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely need the US. Now, what about their um, their reach? They seem to be, you know, spreading their wings into, you know, closer to Australia, into a lot of the um, island nations. Mm-hmm. They'll go in there, they'll build roads, they'll ingratiate themselves. There's a great website at the moment. It's called The Forge. 
and essentially it's the Australian Defence Forces way of going. Well, this is our strategic way of looking at things, and mm. there was a there's a strategic test case, right? And uh, interesting enough, we can talk about wargaming stuff, but this interesting test case where they've said, you know, the Missourians, mm. which is the Missourians are essentially our fictitious enemy. Enemy. Look at me, I can't speak. Right. Mm. So that it's this enemy that has been created and basically breaks down into whatever our largest enemy you know, target would be. And essentially the Missourians have gone to this. They've lost their their fishing fields in South China yep. Sea. So they've now gone down to try and get into the largest tuna fields in the world, which is South Pacific. While they're there, they're then courting these South Pacific nations. And, you know, oh, there was an accident in space and that Australian satellite you use for telecommunications was knocked out of orbit. Look, don't worry, we'll give you one of ours gratis, don't worry about it. And oh, by the way, here's a lot more aid to help you out. And by the mm. way, you may probably need a new port down there. Can we build you a new port? And the whole Belt and Road thing is their way of disconnecting countries' traditional allies with small nations like Australia with the South Pacific. Yeah. It detaches us from that nation and allows them to move in there. And that becomes a vote in the UN. Mm. Right? You know, it's a vote in the UN and it also gives them access to oil fields, to fishing fields, to all of this stuff that they can't get at home. Well, it's kind of what we did to New Papua New Guinea. Yeah. We, we just went in, did not give a fuck about no. the people and just went in and like said, we're going to build a whole bunch of things, but by the way, can we have all the shit that you have yeah, in, can we, in can your we, earth? <laughs> yeah, can we have your electrical dirt? That yeah, electrical yeah. copper dirt's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, like that. The interesting thing on that though is that at least it now appears that the Australian government has noticed this ah. and mm. is starting to take this seriously. You know, Australia throughout the mid part of the last decade was sort of not particularly interested in the, in, in this part of the world. Yeah. And, you know, it was decreasing foreign aid and that kind of thing. We seem to have realised uh, that, that we can't really do that now uh, and the government is now moving into this quite seriously. You know, we've seen recently the Australian government backing Telstra to buy basically the mobile phone network in the Pacific Islands, yeah. uh, which is a clear move that they don't want China to have it. So, you know, what's it going to cost? Okay. Well, yeah, that, well, that was the thing. China was bidding for it and Telstra just went, whatever they're paying, we'll double it. Essentially, yeah. they went, no, we'll own that. Thank you. And there is that thing where Australia is sort of like, going, yeah, we don't have to. Yeah, they're our friends. They're fine. They're the neighbours. Mm. And it's like, no, when the neighbours... When they board up that gate that they built between, you know, your place and their place in the fence, when they board that up, you're in trouble. Yeah. So Australia does need to break down these fences and make it make sure it happens. I mean, New Zealand's the other interesting case because they're very much courting China. And, you know, they, they've sort of turned around and gone, yeah, whatever China wants, that's fine. We won't do anything. And there is that sort of thing where it's like, yeah, we're in a, a state of flux, as the old Chinese curse goes. May you live in interesting times. Well, Victor the Victorian government were courting China until they got told to. Well, New <laughs> South Wales would. You know, every government in Australia, every state government, they were all doing yeah, it. Yeah, but then. It's the, free money. But well, then not free money. Victoria but. kind of had firmly got told that they, they had to sh shut it down. But the, the federal <laughs> government, in the meanwhile, had the same, a similar arrangement. Yep. So it's like, uh, I mean, we could get into domestic politics, but I'd probably just wind up shouting. Yes, that's um, true. So let's talk subs. Yeah, let's talk subs because I understand that you're a big fan of subs. Love subs. Yeah, I like <laughs> I go for the foot long with meatballs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, had did. to go there. Yeah, you that's did. Right. Yeah, you right. did. I was very fascinated with the – by just basically looking at why you would want nuclear submarines and, and what the advantages of them are. We were all fascinated by that. <laughs> I know. I, I loved it. I was so yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you I do know people in the Navy that just went, we're getting nuclear submarines? Yeah, they're stoked. Yeah. But, but, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, I guess, what are they for? 
you know, what they're for mm. is very different to what we would usually use submarines for. Like exactly. What, what Australia has traditionally needed submarines for is sort of defending an area pretty close to Australia and what diesel electric submarines, which is what we have always had in the past, mm. are very good at is moving quietly around, you know, very, very, very quietly and, you know, not having too many problems and being very well-established technology, uh, being very good at, at operating pretty close to your country. Yeah. Uh, what nuclear submarines are very good at is hiding under the ice cap for years at a time and operating an extremely long distance away from your country, neither of which we have ever had any use for at all yeah. in the past. But obviously we've decided that we now have a significant use for the second one. You know, a diesel-electric submarine, if you want... <clears throat> you know, to go and lurk, uh, as submarines do, lurk, 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 in the uh, South China Sea. Yeah. Basically, by the time you get there, you have to turn around and come home because you're going to be out of petrol. But a nuclear submarine, you can go lurk, 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 lurk for as long as you want in the in the. Basically, your limitation is how much food you can carry with exactly. you for your submariners. It's not the amount of fuel. You know, you don't. You barely ever need to surface. Uh, in fact, pretty much never. So, you know, you can just stay there. It's your limitations is uh, keeping your crew sane and fed, mm. uh, which is great if your intention is to lurk in the South China Sea. Totally pointless if your purpose is to lurk in the Arafura Sea and in you know the uh, eastern parts of the Indian Ocean, which well, is I'm, traditionally I'm, what it was for. I am going to pull you up there a little bit because the Australian Collins class submarine and the Oberon class submarines have had quite a few successes in the South China Sea. There are a few operations that have happened where we and it, what the diesel subs are also really good for is literal work. So getting in close to coastlines because their draft is so small, right? They've got a very shallow yep. draft. So you can get those subs in really, 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 really close. And there is the story that we talk about where one of our Oberon-class submarines literally sat at the entrance of a harbour in the South China Sea or off Vietnam and was basically tracking a Russian sub as it came into port. So there's we've had a lot of success, but basically that means at some point it surfaced halfway to the South China Sea, you know, had a fuel stop. Mm. Now everyone's got yeah. out, you know. Stretched to their legs. Yeah, stretched their legs, got a drink from the fridge. <laughs> Toilet break. Toilet break. Yeah. Yeah, can I have the all, keys? Yeah. <laughs> all that really only works if Singapore is willing to refu yes. refuel. Bingo. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got to have somewhere to refuel, and it's really difficult to refuel a, a submarine at sea, I should imagine. But the thing that I also find interesting about this is basically the way the technology is going is most submarines are going to wind up being drones in 20 years. And you're not mm. going to have people on them. So you can literally, like a nuclear submarine would be fabulous because you just send it out and leave it out there and just move it around when you need when you need to. Mm. But, you know, the idea of having a manned nuclear submarine off Australian coastline is kind of irrelevant. So China must be looking at this rather closely. Not only do we have this new alliance with, you know, the UK and the US, but we've got we're going to produce these nuclear submarines, which will have the capability to go and, you know, hang out. Well, are we going to produce? I know. I mean, we say it. We're talking about like something that's going to happen in about five thousand years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if ever. I think uh, it's, it's it's becoming increasingly clear that part of the point of the submarine deal is that we, in the meantime can guarantee closer cooperation with the United States. Yeah. Mm, it's yep. not so much about the submarines arriving in the end. I mean, that'd be fine. 
But yeah, in the meantime, you know, it would be great if we had, uh, you know, basically intertwined defence uh, agencies to a st- particularly if they give us some sweet, uh, juicy nuclear submarine secrets. Oh yeah. Uh, that then you know we're so intertwined they really have l- you know less uh, option of abandoning us if any if you know <laughs> if things get interesting. So I think I, I think it's pretty clear that that's at least a part of the point. Yeah. Uh, and the, the actual submarines are sort of yeah sure okay yeah yeah. Well, I have some submarines, I suppose. Yeah, but have uh, some. Yeah. enjoy. It. <laughs> now, uh, there was one thing that you mentioned in your podcast, which was about Tiananmen Square and the yeah. cable. Yes, I'm so glad you're it. asking me about this. What I'm really thrilled about was when I was listening to your podcast and you were talking about how this cable came through, and it's this very, very graphic cable about what happened in Tiananmen Square mm. for it to only literally, like days later, the embassy went, well, look, we have to print a retraction because this is utterly wrong. They, you know, they, they weren't driving tanks over bodies and then, you know, scooping them up with bulldozers and burning them. I just wanted to say read that cable when it came through. Oh, I was so excited to talk to you about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I'm literally sitting there at, the, at my desk and it, bang, it comes out of the ferret tube. I, you open the ferret tube and I know that there's an immediate telex coming in and I just like, bang, put it down on my desk and look down and I went, oh, crap, this is going to get nasty. So, yeah, yeah. I was, what was funny was I went, yeah, I saw that. I remember seeing that cable and then I think it was literally – one or two days later where it was like, yeah, that – like even our analysts were like going, this doesn't sound exactly right. Mm. Like even the footage that was coming through – because there was footage coming out yeah. of Tiananmen Square, you know, open source intelligence. That was coming through, but at no point was there any examples or any evidence of this telex coming through. The fact that Hawk read it out, that was just – like we were all at ASIO going, oh. This could be really, really bad. (laughs) Everyone just hold on to your desk. It's here it comes. It was yeah. Yeah. It's a bit fascinating that that came up, and then you you managed to talk to the diplomat who actually sent the telex out, and then went yeah, uh, actually that was wrong. Yeah, but I mean the 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 fascinating thing about this, and I'm so glad you asked me about this because we didn't quite get this into the story because it was you know a very complicated story and kind of difficult to explain to explain. But the the key part that I that I think you would be very interested in is the reason I got into this story is because I was listening to what Bob Hawke was saying in this you know um, in the speech was reading in this speech uh, just days after Tiananmen Square and he was clearly reading from a piece of paper that wasn't his prepared speech mm. he was reading directly from the diplomatic cable and the weird thing about it was what he was saying couldn't be verified anywhere except in a British diplomatic cable. Oh. Yeah. Okay. okay. Ooh. I'm so- <laughs> That's my excited ooh. I know. Ooh. So in 2017, a British – actually, it was first uh, released by WikiLeaks in, in uh, like, like 10 Thanks, Julian. Thanks, Julian. <laughs> it was a, a diplomatic cable and then it was declassified in 2017 when mm-hmm. everybody actually reported on it. But basically it was a diplomatic cable from the British ambassador – to uh, was actually to Hong Kong, but also to uh, to London, which described the situation in Tiananmen Square. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing about it was there was things in the in that cable which was identical to what Bob Hawke was saying. Oh. Right? and then once I actually got access to the cable, the Australian cable, mm-hmm. I put it side by side with the British cable, and found that about half of the content of both cables was identical. Oh. 
Ooh. And I was going, that's exceptionally strange. Yeah. Why would so much of these two of the, these two cables be exactly the same? They must be speaking to the same. They must have had the same same source. source. Yeah. Anyway, so then I spoke to the Australian diplomat who wrote the Australian cable, and he said, yeah, well, this guy who had previously been extremely reliable to us came to the embassy and told us all this stuff, and he must have then immediately gone to the British embassy and told them all the same stuff. But he was from the faction that had lost in the internal yeah, fa- uh, the internal wrong faction. Yeah. Against the, yeah, against the faction that ended up quashing the... Uh, the protest in Tiananmen Square, he was probably extremely bitter about what had happened. And so he went out and he told the Australian and British embassies incorrect information yeah. about what had happened. Both embassies sent it back to their base. Bob Hawke read it out live on television. And then years later, it was released via Julian Assange and then declassified and widely reported on, Yeah, even though it was incorrect information about about you know, obviously terrible things happen in Tiananmen Square. No one's denying that. Oh no! Uh, well, actually, around Tiananmen Square, not so much in the square itself, yeah. but around the streets. The yeah, streets they kettled around them. it. But the description of what happened and the the death toll estimate were very wrong. Oh yeah. But nobody had ever kind of said actually. You know, we actually realised that it was wrong, and it was never really published until we published it earlier this year. And so we basically had this this Australian diplomat saying that. All this stuff that we were told was wrong. He must have then gone and told the British Embassy about it as well, and then they published it. Every news outlet in the world published on this British cable when it was declassified in 2017. Yep. None of them have figured out that there was a problem with it yet. I keep tweeting them going, you guys need to double <laughs> check this story, guys. BBC, The Independent, all these news outlets have published this incorrect information, which is still circulating every anniversary of Tiananmen Square. Yeah. No wonder no wonder China's pissed. Been, yeah, it's never been, it's never <laughs> been corrected. It's Guys, get it straight. We killed some people, but not that many. Yeah, I mean, Ooh. we're bad, but we're not that bad. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, mate, I love that story. I mean, to, to me, and also the fact that when you mentioned that cable, I went, <laughs> I remember classifying that. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. Look, I, I want to keep talking. We, we've kind of run out of time. Yeah, we have. I've, I, Matt, every time you're on, it's like I just want to go on and on and on and on. It's like a little breath of fresh air. I know, it's great. Mm-hmm. Well, also it saves me talking to just David yeah, because I'm yeah, kind of over yeah. it at this point. It's been two years. And you're I'm like, like talky dirt. Yeah. You're, you're talky dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you come in and talk and it becomes the steel of a podcast. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us. I feel like we, we need to have you on more often because there's just so much more we could yeah, talk about. Yeah, so much. And um, send me your address and I'll get you Jar mango chutney. Uh, I don't uh, think I'll be sending my address to any ASIO officers, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> send it to Michelle and she'll give it to me and yeah, I'll yeah, yeah, send yeah, you a yeah, jar yeah. of mango chutney. But don't worry, we already have it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm looking at you right now, yeah, but not right. from the angle that you think. <laughs> from through the window. <laughs>